en hartelike goeiemorgen, welkom by ons program Skrifteerlik, waar ons wekelijk saam na oplossing soek uit die skrifte, vervra waarmee gewone mense sikkel. Die Bijbel sê in Johannes 17, 17, jy woord is waarheid, heilig hulle na jy woord, en Psalm 119, 105 sê, jy woord is een lamp vir my voete en een licht vir my pad. Kom dan saam met ons vir die volgende uur, wanneer ons geen steen onaangeraak laat om die waarheid te vind en licht te skyn op die vraag uit die skrifte waarmee ek en jy moendik kan worstel nie. Krij dus gauw jou bybel en kom onderzoek saam met ons die skrifte. Dis moes nou skrifteerlik. Deel ons passie vir die lewe op 657 Radio Kansel en 729 Kaapse Kansel. En daarmee groet ons jou hier van die voedstel van die Heera van Kielnerpark, 42 Jakobestraat, Kielnerpark in Pretoria. Skrifteerlik, tot en met so 5 voor 12, vir die volgende bykans uur, wat ons heerlik saam gaan keir, en in die skrifte gaan rondblaai en delf op soek na antwoorde, vir goed waarmee ek en jou op dagelijkse basis sikkel. Goeiemorgen aan jou, en baie dankie dat jy ingeskakel is in hierdie program, en dat jy saam met ons gaan keir, tot en met 5 voor 12. As always with me in studio, Pastor Rocky Stevenson. How are you, my brother? Are you well on this beautiful Tuesday morning? Very well, thank you, Vainant. Looking forward to some rain sometime soon. Yeah, wonderful to have you with us. And I believe uh, those who uh, grew up in Gauteng says normally on the 15th of October, Kruger's Day or something like that, then normally we expect the first rains, but uh, waiting in anticipation, our eyes on the clouds and saying, Lord, it's been a while since we've had some water here in Gauteng. Uh, what is your understanding? You think uh, rain soon? Uh, hopefully, hopefully. Um uh, when when you said looking at the eyes at the clouds, I was thinking, you know, of that section where the two angels were telling the disciples, you know, the same Jesus who went up in the clouds will come the same way. So I thought maybe you were looking for a different kind of a rain, <laughs> a millennial rain maybe. Or <laughs> well, uh, that then uh, Pastor Rocky Stevenson from Benoni uh, Bible Church and uh, we thank the Lord also for uh, his his life and his ability to do this very unique thing. What are we doing in this program? If you're struggling with everyday stuff, mm, there's an answer for everything that we battle with. God's word, the blueprint for happy living. But you don't know where to find the answers, how to find the answers. This is the program where you send us a WhatsApp. So get a pen and paper ready. Something is telling me that you don't have a pen and paper ready. Or open up your contacts. It should be under your contacts. Put a little star to it under your favorites. And so you can just open it up and send it through to studio. It's the number we've been using for the last, I don't know, four, five, six years that we've been using in studio. It's a WhatsApp number. It's a unique number. It's an easy number. And that's where you send your questions to. Just a sideline remark. Please uh, make mention of the scripture as well that you're uh, referring to. It makes life just a little bit easier for Rocky and myself uh, to go to that scripture and say, ah, this is what you're talking about. So bless your heart. Lifestyle questions, anything pertaining to God's word that you're battling with that doesn't make sense. And I want to tell you, you better buckle up because we're going to start with uh, a rough one. Uh, if there's underage kids, this is where we put in the disclaimer and say, 
Better get rid of them now. At the moment, just tell them to go and play someplace else because we're going to talk some adult stuff here. That's the very first question we're kicking off with this morning. So you've been forewarned. Jy is voor die tijd gewaarski as a ouderdomsbeperking op ons eerste vraag. And uh, we're going to get that in a moment. So a question that a listener had sent in according to the word. Does sex marry you before God or is it only a physical sign of marriage? That's what we're going to kick off with. So here's the WhatsApp number 082-657-2729. op die Vodacom netwerk, makkelijk om te onthou, dan 657, wat natuurlijk die frequentie is, waarop jy verochend luister na Radio Kansel, dan die nummerkie 2 en dan 729, ons sisterstasie onder die Kaapse frequentie, waarop hulle uitsaai, en dit maak dit een baie unieke nummer, dankie wat kan woudekom, 0826572729. You want to send in your WhatsApp, do so in time, so it gives us time here in studio to prep, open up the Logos programs, all the Bibles, all the translations, and uh, get them through to us in time. To our listeners listening from abroad, I know we've got listeners in Tanzania. Rocky, you had a, a WhatsApp the other day from where? Zimbabwe, far afield. Uh, somebody from yeah, across no, the border. Um, it was up in Zambia. Zambia. So, yeah. We've got listeners in Zambia. We've got listeners down under. We've got listeners in the UK, in the US of A. All over the world this morning, and I want to uh, just uh, reaffirm and say, listen, we've prayed for you. Before we came into the studio, that God would open your spiritual eyes and your, your spiritual ears so that you can hear what we're talking about. Right, let's get the ball rolling. It's 11 minutes after 11. Rocky, we're kicking off with this, and uh, not sure where we're going to go with this, but we had an anonymous listener that sent us this question, according to the word... Does sex marry you before God? Or is it only a physical sign of marriage? I just want to say, I did a program recently for Brampunt Rocky, where we discussed people cohabitation, living together, like a husband and a wife. And uh, the understanding is, well, I don't need that piece of paper because in the eyes of God, I am married. I mean, we're living like husband and wife. I don't need that piece of paper. And uh, we had, I think, over 500 people listening and re-listening to that program, Brunpunt, where we spoke about cohabitation, living together. What does the Word of God say? In this case, we're going to talk about, uh, well, what does the Word say? Does sex marry you before God? Rocky, where do we start with this? And maybe this is on people's minds as a result of some of Brunpunt's questioning there. The simple answer is no. Sex does not marry you before God. It's called adultery by God if it's outside of the confines of marriage. It's called fornication, which is a word that's lost popularity in our modern era. It's not politically correct. Yeah, and that's because we are so self-focused and pleasure-focused and materialistically minded that we think that everything exists for me, myself, and I. And we've forgotten some of the basic reason of why we were made. We were made for the glory of God and the glory of God alone, and to live to his praise and to his glory. And so we've often switched and, and chopped up much of God's word and done it in a way that is more convenient for ourselves. So one of the biblical consequences 
would be to get married if you were not fully following what the scriptures have said. That would be from the Old Testament perspective. If you're looking at the nation of Israel, who was underneath God as their ruler, God gave specific laws to Israel regarding sex outside of marriage. And one of the consequences was that if a young man had to seduce a young woman who was not his wife, then he would need to marry her. So this is Exodus 22, verse 16 to 17. It says this, If a man seduces a virgin who is not engaged and lies with her, he must pay a dowry for her to be his wife. If her father absolutely refuses to give her to him, he shall pay money equal to the dowry for virgins. Now, I preached a sermon on that actually probably about four months ago. You could look that up if you wish. It's, I called the, the title Costly Sin, Costly Savior, and I build up from this passage. And I'd encourage you to go check that out on the Benoni Bible Church YouTube channel if anybody wants to go and get some further info on just that passage. But we see that if a man did this, and this was a woman who was not engaged. Now, there's a specific law regarding if there was a woman that was engaged. And the, the Hebrew people saw engagement as incredibly important. And, and this would be when the man would be actually preparing a place for his bride. And it, would, it was seen almost on the same level as marriage. When you made that engagement, it was as though you were already married. And so this was just even engagement was mm. such an important point to the Jewish culture and the Hebrews and the Old Testament Christian, or a, let's say the Old Testament believer. It's an amazing point you make there. That's why Jesus referred to us as his bride. And he said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Indeed. And so we're going to enjoy the marriage supper of the lamb yeah. one day. And that's, um, again, an eschatological theme. Yeah. And that will be during the tribulation period when the church is with Christ and we take part of the marriage supper of the lamb. So he is preparing a place for us. And so you have the same mentality of the bride and the groom. And this is the mystery that marriage has always been about. Paul tells us about this. He says from the beginning, this is what the picture was meant to be. It's Christ and the church. Christ and the bride. And that's why marriage is such an important uh, metaphor and really a picture for what the Christian faith is. So if the man seduced the virgin, he was to pay a dowry. And this was a huge amount of money. Um, he, he, I mean, this would be almost a year's wage type of thing. It was a, yeah. it was a big thing to pay the dowry. And so you can imagine if we had those kind of laws today, a man seduces a woman and suddenly he has to pay a year's wage to the father of the bride. Do you think that we'd have much immorality before marriage? <laughs> no, definitely and not. Not just that. Yeah. You actually have this is a, and that's why I called that sermon costly sin because it would cost him and it would cost her and it would actually be life altering because now that it would become a public affair. Even though the seduction might have happened in the private, it would now become a family affair and it would become a an affair for all of those that were around and the people of God and they would be held accountable for the actions that they took on that, let's say, one-night stand. That one-night stand would become a whole life stand, and you'd now be married to that individual, and you'd be with that person till death did you part. And so the marriage was as a consequence of the fact that there was the sin that had been committed. So it wasn't the, mar the sex act now becoming the marriage before God. No, the marriage became the consequence because of the sex act outside of the bounds of marriage. For only... Um, you know, he would now have to pay that dowry and he would take the woman to be his wife from that point on. 
they would now be married as a couple until death did them part. So adultery was punishable, however, by death, if you remember the Old Testament. And I think you used that um, concept before, you know, take them to a rock concert. Oh, yes, the, the elders time. at the gates. Yeah, the and, elders and at the, the gates yeah, would have a rock him. concert. Mm. And, um, and so this is how important God saw this. So if the man seduced a virgin that actually was betrothed, a, a virgin that was now engaged to another man, that man and that woman would actually be stoned. That's how serious God saw the act of sex outside of the confines of the bounds of marriage. So God's design for sex is within the context of marriage. One natural man and one natural woman for a lifetime. Yeah. That's God's definition of marriage. Monogamy. Now, mankind has rewritten this and gone about it and wanted to do their own thing, etc. And they've exchanged the mm. glory of God for for their own way. I wanted to ask you because what we share in here is God's word. It's it's not negotiable. No. But but then again if we look at life around us the 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 the, the sewage that Hollywood pumps into our living room called family entertainment where everybody hops into everybody's bed the gene pool is all messed up and what everybody says nowadays but everybody is doing it and i like why are you so all all, uh, all, why are you so all tensed up about it because everybody is doing it that that idea of hollywood pumping its sewage in uh, is a it's a good picture and and that's because many people have actually turned that sewage on inside their living room and they've allowed this in. You know, it's it's not something that they're just having outside of their homes. And we've become de- desensitized. They've let in. You yeah. know? And so there is much brokenness in our world, but we have an answer for brokenness. Yeah. And his name is the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why I entitled that sermon, Costly Sin, Costly Savior. Because Jesus paid that dowry. And he actually paid it with his life. Because of our immorality. And because of our brokenness and because we had committed adultery. Yeah. You know, you look at what the, what we have done and we were some of, the Bible says we were some of them. You know, we were once like that. We were hostile in our mind towards God. We were enemies of Christ. Yeah. And we are ourselves had committed shameful acts. And yet Christ paid the price with his death on the cross. He didn't just pay the bride price with a bit of money. In fact, Jesus was sold for almost what the dowry would have cost. Jesus was sold by by somebody like Judas. And yeah, Jesus is on the cross and he pays the price for a bride that has been unfaithful to yeah. him. And that's what he's done for us. So it's a costly, we have a costly savior. And so in our brokenness in our world, it's to turn to Christ. And if we're broken sexually because we have committed sin against God and sin has been committed against us, we have a savior who we can turn to. All right, Rocky. So who is this message for? Uh, What age group are we looking at here? Are we preaching, preaching to the unmarried? Are we sharing this word with the unmarried? Because you use two words. You use the word adultery and you use the word fornication. Yeah. And, and and if you're married and you're messing around outside of marriage, you, also, you, you're in yes. deep trouble here with the no, Lord. Definitely. Look, Jesus Jesus broke down some of the the walls of the hypocrisy of his day. Yeah. You, know, you had the, some of the Pharisees that would not even look at a woman in her face. They would look down at the feet while they yeah. were walking around. Right. And Jesus says to those guys, he says, if you've even looked at a woman with lust in your heart, yeah. you've committed adultery. And so what that does is it shows us that all of us have fallen short. All of us are in need of the same redemption in Christ. And sometimes there's more hope for a prostitute than what there was for the Pharisee or for wow. the teacher of the law. Yeah. Because Christ came 
for the broken, and he's come for you and for me. He's come for those that actually have been wayward. And he says, I've come for those that are sick, not for those that are healthy. Now, of course, nobody is really healthy, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so everyone needs a savior. But there's some people that think that they don't because they've got some moralistic thing or some legalism, etc. But our Lord Jesus came for every single one. Now, you remember that story of the adulteress that was caught and comes before Jesus and all of the people were coming and they're trying to trick him and trip him up and they bring her and say, no, well, she was caught in adultery. We need to stone her. Now, first that means of all, she was married. Yeah, well, well, either that or she went with a married man. Yeah. Um, and But now you don't have the male accuser there or the male that was perpetrated. No, fair there. enough. You've only got her there. Yeah. And Jesus says to him, hey, you know, whoever's done the fir- no sin. Yeah, can cast right. the first stone. And he looks down and he starts, um, you know, jotting down in the in the sand. There's some theologians that believe that Jesus started to write out some of the sins of the men that were standing around there. I kind of wow. like that thought. <laughs> I don't know. We don't know what Jesus was actually drawing in the sand. Yeah. But eventually Jesus looks up and all of them are gone. Yes. And only this woman is there. And by implication, Jesus is the only one there that has not committed a sin. And he's the only one there that's able to actually throw the first stone and finished it. You yeah. know, he's, but he has mercy and he says to her, go and sin no longer. And so our Lord Jesus, as we come to him, it's not just a, okay, well, I've done these sins, Lord, please forgive me for it. It's a, Lord, I'm, I'm committing my life to you and I'm going to go and do things your way because there's a way that seems right in a man's eyes, yeah. but it's end is destruction. And I've been doing all of these things and look at the brokenness yeah. that it's caused me, the brokenness in my family, the brokenness with my children, because I've not valued sex yeah. the way that your word teaches me. What about young people, somebody driving around, a rep on the road? Road. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not pointing out people here. I'm just saying somebody that's not married, listening to you and I right now, sleeping around, messing around, eating the forbidden fruit. What would you say to that well, individual with, the, with regard to the there's word? There's no of such thing as free sex. Yeah. All of this is very costly and it costs you either way. You know, whichever way you look at it, you can think that it was done in secret. Pornography has a cost to it. If you're living in a way that is self-gratifying and not honoring to the Lord, and you've given into this hedonism that is inside of our world, then that is that brings about destruction in you. Wow. But that you can turn to the Lord Jesus, and and so that would be the 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 call. And for any listener that's listening, I mean, you go and look at some of the Barna studies that are out at the moment. At the the average now of the age of a a boy who's actually actively looking for pornography is yeah. 10 years old. Wow. They're actively pursuing and per- you know, going for that. And that's because we have the sewer in our, um, in our living rooms, as you said. But then it also is in the hand and it's in the, it's in the room and yeah. it's in the secret. Yeah. And there's open filters. There's no parental filters. There's no, there's no guard anymore. There's no gate any longer. And we have this idea that, oh, well, this is my little angel. But the Bible doesn't tell us that we have little angels. It tells us that we, you know, to, to borrow somebody else's phrase, we have vipers in diapers. You know, we have, we have children that are born sinners. As yeah. they were born, they were born into sin, and then they choose to sin. But we also, as parents, are meant to be guarding our homes. And many a times we have such brokenness within our home because adults are pursuing that hedonism, and that's just an unrelenting seeking of pleasure. And there's this idea that we exist so that God will please us. He's our genie in a bottle, and everybody else exists for us. And so then we have this whole mentality wrong. Let's spell it out. The price to pay for this unless you turn from your ways. Yeah, the, the, the price. I mean, obviously, the Lord knows exactly what our thoughts and our intentions are, and we can't get away from having to answer to the Lord. And so it might seem like things even go well with you for a yeah. while, 
but there's an appointed time for man to die. Yeah. And then there's an appointed time for man to be judged. Yeah. And so you will stand before the Lord. All right. Somebody says here on WhatsApp, what about staying together, not having sex, staying in own rooms? But uh, then again, uh, if we claim to be Christians <laughs> and we close the door, people outside won't believe look, you. Look, I'm sorry for, for giggling, but um, I, I have not met anybody that's... Uh, you know that innocent. <laughs> All right. Okay. We're in two separate rooms. I'm yeah. sorry. No, we're not. We're not. We're really not doing anything with one another. Yeah. Um, I mean, come on now. We 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 know exactly what our world is like. And but then a, again, we're also creating. What, what is worldly people thinking of us? Those Christians. They are not married. So what sort of a message are we well, as, I mean, as Christians uh, carry out to the world if we're not married and and yes, we're living together. Oh, but in. No, but, just, but please, please just believe me. Yeah. I would never do that. But you're living with the person. Yeah. Come on now. You've already allowed that in. Yeah. You know, we have this idea, even with our, with our children and with our teenagers, we think, oh, this is such a cute little dating relationship. Meanwhile, we're putting them into a Wendy house. They're inside this Wendy house. They've thrown petrol all over each other and all over the Wendy house. And then they've got a box of matches. And the one lights the match and throws the match to the other one. And the other one catches and goes, whew, that was so close. We almost got, we almost blew up, but we didn't. So let's light the next match. And that's exactly what we're doing with regard to sex before marriage. Wow. And we're doing this with regard to, we just, our morality has, has been shaped by the world. And this is often within the church of Christ. Yeah. And we just think it's cute. Instead of actually training our young ones regarding how this must look. So the sexual act in, in, indeed is for marriage alone. And in God's eyes, if someone has sex outside of the confines of marriage, this was something which was sinful and it carried a consequence. Why you say sinful was? It, and it, it is. still is, it is to still this sinful. very day, isn't indeed, it? It is. But it's and not politically correct to say that. And this was even something that was in the Old Testament at least dealt with in a very public manner. Yeah. The stoning would be very public if this was very an adultery right. situation. Yeah. But also if this was a situation where this person was not engaged to be married, this was something that then became a very public affair. And if the father refused the young man and he said no, he, he would still have to pay the bride price. And then the daughter would likely never ever get married the rest of her life because of that that time that she allowed herself to be seduced by this man yeah. and she would then not have the veil of the virgin and so it, her offense would be before her eyes and this would be her shame the rest of the life and the young man would have been known then in that area as somebody that seduced the virgin and the father didn't allow him to get married and so there would be this family shame even because of this act and so you can imagine if a society held to such laws we would not see rape we would not see as or we would see, but it would be dealt with, and yeah. there would be a, yeah. a you know rock concert or a hanging or etc. And you wouldn't see this happening and this being so out of bounds. So where do we go for the New Testament? I mean, we we've talked a bit about the Old Testament. Is God different? Is God's standard for the church different? In fact, for the church, the standard should be even higher because we have the indwelling Holy Spirit. We have the Word of God. We have a passage like First Thessalonians 4, verse 3 to 8, which says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in lustful passions like the Gentiles who do not know God. You see, how do the Gentiles behave? Lustful passions. They don't know God. That's, yeah. why they, that's why they do that. We were once like that as people that are born again. Yes. We once did that. We once followed that way. We no longer follow that way. We follow Christ. 
and that no man transgresses and defrauds his brother in a ma- in this manner, because the Lord is the avenger of all these things. So the same fear should hang over us to not do this because the Lord is the avenger of this. When we sin sexually, it's not just against God, but it's against our own body, the Bible teaches. Defiling the temple it of the Lord. defiles the temple of the Lord, and it's sinning against your brothers and sisters within Christ. In Christ. Because yeah. if you're now with a woman that's another man's wife, then that's something that... You know, yet she might not be married to another man at that point, but she's meant to be some other, some other man's uh, wife. Then you're sinning against that man, and you're sinning against that woman. You're sinning against her family. You're sinning against the church. You're you're going your own way, which is not God's way. And he says here, for God did not call us to impurity, but in sanctification. Consequently, he who sets this aside is not setting aside man. But the God gives his Holy Spirit to you. So if we have a different definition of sexual purity today, we're actually not setting aside man or Vainant and Rocky on Radio Pulpit who are talking about this. We actually set aside the Holy Spirit of God. And we're saying we don't actually care what God says about this. So unpermissible sexual acts is called fornication. This is the word that, as I said, has lost popularity, but that is what sex outside of marriage is called. And people in our day think that sex is free. That there's no such, but there really is no such thing as sex that is free according to God or according to reality. The other passage I was mentioning was Deuteronomy 22, verse 23 to 29. Listen to how important God sees this. If there is a girl who is a virgin engaged to a man, and another man finds her in the city and lies with her, then you shall bring them both out to the gate of that city, and you shall stone them, and they will die. The girl because she did not cry out in the city, and the man because he has violated his neighbor's wife. Now, this is a girl that's not yet even married, but she's engaged to get married, and yeah, the guy sleeps with her. She doesn't cry out because it was a mutual act of sexual consent. Yeah. We talk about consent in our day. They were two consenting adults. Yeah, but Rocky. Can I ask you something? Somebody listening to you right now will say, that's rabbinical law. That's Jewish law. It doesn't apply to us. Yeah, for sure. And and by God's grace, it doesn't um, in this in the New Testament age, and we have yeah. much grace because we, we would be stoning everybody almost. Um, but but well, we do have much grace in the Lord Jesus. And even as saved Gentiles, yeah. we're not to live like this, however. And we're, we're to see how serious God sees this and how the wages of sin is death and how yeah. the free gift in God is in, in Christ Jesus is eternal life. And so the law in all of its weight, actually is a schoolmaster that shows us that we desperately need a Savior. And that's part of what I did in that sermon regarding the costly Savior, because Jesus paid that price. Yeah. Jesus died. He yeah. really did die, because our sins deserved the death penalty. Right. And so our Lord Jesus has paid this kind of a price for us, because he has known that the heart of man, and that yeah. it's heart, the heart of man is towards evil. Right. But for so, the Christian home, how do mm, we raise our children? Yeah. How do we live as husband and wife in our own home? We honor the marriage bed, and we keep it holy. We pursue a holiness in regard to what we think regarding sex, sex and sex inside of marriage. All right. So we're talking about now, and that covers the full spectrum. Never again can you say, I did not hear, I did not know how the Lord feels about it and what the Bible says. Whether you're married or not married, uh, it makes me think of that video clip that you forwarded to me that says, stop it. 
Yes. Simple. You know, you can go for counseling, but at the end of the day, stop it. Stop it immediately. Yep. Whether you're married or not, you're sleeping around, stop it immediately. There's a price to be paid. Yep. Don't, don't fall into the hand of the living God. It, 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 it's a fearful thing, says the Bible. And if you're busy with fornication, if you're busy with uh, pornography, if you're busy, uh, I think the world, the Bible sums it up in one word, ne? sexual immorality. Yeah, fornication, sexual immorality. Simple as that. Now, now this passage in Deuteronomy, has a link to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. The, the, this next piece, just after it's talked about the stoning of them, it says this, Therefore you shall purge the evil from among you. Yeah. So you can see the state that sexual immorality has on the society and the way in which God, for his Old Testament saints, expected that you take this couple that's done this and you stone them. Why? Because you need to purge the evil from among you. Because this has an impact on the rest of you. It has an impact on your worship. Because yeah. what you've done inside of the sexual immorality is instead of turning your praise and your glory and your honor to God, you've turned it inward. And yeah. that starts to impact in the society that actually goes off into self-pleasure instead of pleasure of the Savior, living in a way that will honor God. And then he, this Deuteronomy passage is, it continues, it says this, but if in the field the man finds the girl who is engaged and the man forces her and lies with her, what do we call that? Rape. Rape. Eh? Mm -hmm. Then only the man who lies with her shall die, but you shall do nothing to the girl. There is no sin in the girl worthy of death. For just as the man rises against his neighbor and murders him, so is this case. The Bible saw rape as the same thing as murder. Wow. That's how serious God sees something like rape, when somebody forces himself upon another. When, when he found her in the field, the engaged girl cried out, but there was no one to save her. If a man finds a girl who is a virgin, who is not engaged, and this is the section that, that touches on what we looked at earlier from the passage in Exodus, and he finds her who's not engaged and lies with her and they are found, then the man who lay with her shall give to the girl's father 50 shekels of silver and she shall become his wife because he has violated her. He cannot divorce her all of his days. That was part of the consequence. And so that's the point I'm trying to make is that the sex act doesn't make you married. The marriage actually was part of the consequence of the sex act. Yeah, in the Old yeah, Testament. Yeah. So very strict laws in the Old Testament. But has God changed? 1 Corinthians 5, verse 11 to 13. But now I am writing to you not to associate with any so-called brother if he is a sexually immoral person or greedy or an adulterer or a raveler or a drunkard or a swindler, not yeah. even to eat with such a one. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Are you not to judge those within the church? But those who are outside, God will judge. Remove the wicked man from among you. Yeah. And so First Corinthians 5 quotes that passage back in Deuteronomy. All right. Urge the evil one from among you. I want to ask you a question. We on this radio station has done programs on people living together because the, they're from a previous marriage and they get their husband's pension and she would lose that pension the moment that she gets married. Uh, you hear the technical part of it, and, and people justify and say, but I will lose that money, therefore I'm, I'm justifying, I'm living together with this, uh, this man now because I would lose that financial uh, gain. We won't be able to. And, and we try and justify and find any means to try and justify it and move away from God's, from God's word. Once again, there's a price to be paid for that. Indeed, indeed. And so what does it profit a man to gain the whole world but to forfeit your soul? Hebrews 13 verse 4 says, Marriage is to be held in honor among 
all. That's the command to the church. Marriage is to be held in honor among all. And the marriage bed is to be undefiled. For the sexually immoral and the adulterous, God will judge. And so you might hold on to a few pennies while on in this world. But you're going to meet God one day. What are you going to say then? Oh, but I did this because of that. No, you, you've been sinning and you've not been trusting the Lord as being the one that will be your, your the one who provides for you. All right. All right. Um, so you've you've gone about your your decisions as as an adult then in a way that is justifying your sinful actions. So among among Christians, this should be the norm. We must hold the marriage bed in high honor. No sex outside of the confines of marriage. So that that marriage in God's eyes wasn't just this private affair between mm. one person and another that they felt steamy about each yeah, other yeah. and they yeah, liked yeah. each other's face so much, etc. Yeah, yeah. You know that that they decide that they're going to have sex. Yeah. Oh no, we just fell into it. Nobody falls into it. You jumped into well, it. Well, it's consumer mentality. Of, there's a whole bunch of um, things that happened before that WhatsApp yeah, messages yeah. or whatever phone calls or little um, you know cuddles in the movie house or whatever. Okay. You've allowed that to happen to you, but God's way is not that way. Right. And it's a public affair as well. Uh, marriage is not just in between those two. It's both families. It's your church family. It's it's done before the magistrate. It's done before God. And so this is now, you know, you have complex issues as well that come about because the world doesn't define marriage. God right. does in his word. Right. And so sometimes we've made this more complex by allowing the magistrate to have certain laws. And there's things that our country has in their laws that are wrong regarding marriage, yeah, right. polygamy, etc. Mm. Rocky, sum it up for us. We've uh, spent quite some time on this question and I want to bring it to an end. There's other questions that came in as well. Uh, if somebody has fallen short of this, if somebody had sinned against the Lord, uh, fornication, adultery, mm. sexual immorality, mm. is there forgiveness in the Lord Jesus Christ? Can I decide, cry out to the Lord, ask forgiveness, walk away from it this morning and be a new creation in Christ? Will the Lord forgive me for that? Yeah. Um, if you turn to the Lord Jesus and if you repent of your sin, and so this whole new trend of professing Christians that are moving in together because they are now married because of sex, that's sin. And people need to see it that way. And so if you see it that way and you see it the way God has defined it and you repent and you believe in Christ, of course there is forgiveness of sin. Then you do the next best thing that may look like moving out. That, you know, you've got elders in your local church. Go speak to your elders. Confess your sin so that you may be healed. You know, there's trust the Lord and do the next best thing. Maybe it means moving back in with your parents. Maybe it means moving in with a brother or a sister. Yeah. Pursue godliness inside of that relationship. And then you look at marriage as an option between the two of you. And the Bible teaches us on these things too. You're not to be unequally yoked. So if one is a professing believer and the other is not, then you break that off. And you confess the sin of immorality before the Lord, and you ask the Lord to heal you. So we need to see sin for what it is so that we will see the Savior for who mm. he is and the fact that he has paid the price. So a couple that engages in sex before marriage and then they get married, they've got loads of things to deal with, even inside of marriage. And so maybe that's you. Maybe you slept with your husband or your wife before you got married, and there's actually still areas in your sex life that are needing to be addressed because of the fact that there's a consequence to sin because trust is broken. 
trust is broken in a couple that have slept together before marriage happens. Yeah. Because if you didn't have the self-control to wait until the marriage day, now you, you'll have trust issues. And you have a wrong view of sex and you think that sex is dirty when sex is actually beautiful and it's given to you by God to be enjoyed. And so a couple may need to repent as a couple and go before the Lord in prayer and say, Lord, please forgive us for what we did even before we were married. We did this thing and we've hidden it. We've covered it up. But we pray that you forgive us and that you will bless our marriage unity. And so self-control is what is called for for the Christians. And sometimes we need to realize that we and and some not sometimes all the time we need to realize we do not exist for our own pleasure we exist for the praise of god we exist for the glory of god and our bodies are to be for the glory of god so there is legitimate pleasure which god does not hold back from us god gives it to us to enjoy within the confines of marriage and that sexual act between husband and wife is to be done to the glory of God. And even the way in which you have sexual pleasure is something that you ought to do in a biblical way. In other words, the husband does this for the wife's benefit. The wife does this for the husband's benefit. You can jot down 1 Corinthians 7 verse 3 to 5 if you wish. And so remember that marriage is a union between a husband and a wife. They become one flesh and this is to be to the honor and the glory of God and him alone. Uh, you might say, well, what about polygamy? I mean, David, he had many wives, right? I mean, what about um, Solomon? Remember Solomon, almost a thousand wives? And they turned his heart away from God. He had a divided heart because of this very act, sexual immorality. David himself, you remember what happened with David and Jonathan? And and people always talk about the Second Samuel one twenty six, where David is lamenting over Jonathan's death. He says, "I am distressed for you, my brother Jonathan. You have been very pleasant pleasant to me. Your love to me was more wonderful than the love of many women." Now that's a sad confession. Why? Because this guy had a greater relationship with a male friend. Why? Because of all the polygamy and the sexual immorality that he was involved in in his life. He never enjoyed that that marvelous unity that there is between a husband and a wife because of the fact that he was led astray by many women and a love for many women. So you're listening this morning and your life is a proper mess because of sexual immorality and you've, you can see how much it's cost you in your own heart. Well, then turn wholeheartedly to the Lord Jesus Christ. He's our costly savior. He paid the price for your immorality. He, within him, there's forgiveness of sin. So repent and seek to make right. Accept the consequences. If you're living with somebody that's not your husband or wife, move out and seek to make right, accepting the consequences. Just do the next best thing. 657 AM is where you tune to the program Scriptural Skriftelik tot en met 12 uur so 5 voor 12 gaan ons vir jou groet en baie dankie vir al die vraag wat ingekom het well, one thing remains, never again can you say I did not hear, I did not know doesn't matter what the world is doing around us so important that we uh, what did Jesus say? He said obedience better than sacrifice obedience better than sacrifice Lisa B, you up next sy sê more wat word bedoel as die Die woord sê, dit is makkelijker vir een kameel om dier die oog van een naal te gaan. Rocky, what does that even mean? How do we understand? It's easy for a camel to enter through the eye of a needle. In what context was that said and what does that mean? What are we to understand with yeah, so that the, question? The, the context of this was with a rich young ruler who comes to Jesus in Luke chapter 18. And Jesus says to him, you want to be part of the kingdom, go sell all that you have. And distribute that to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and then come and follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad and he, because he was extremely rich. 
And then verse 24 of, of Luke 28, Jesus, seeing that he had become sad, said, How difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard it said, Then who can be saved? But he said, What is impossible with men is possible with God. And Peter said, See, we have left our homes and followed you. And he said to them, them, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times more in this time and in the age to come eternal life. And so the context of this was showing how impossible it is, apart from God's mercy and grace, for somebody to get saved. The, the, the historical context is a gate that would be usually for, for people to walk through next to the big gate. All right, and yeah, for, I've seen that in Israel, the, in Jerusalem. The, yes, for the camel, it would be loaded with many of the things that the traveler would be walking with. Yeah. And so he's saying it's very difficult for a camel to get through that. But it's actually easier for a camel to get through that small gate with all of his load and everything that he's carrying than what it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And this is because the love of money at the, the, is really the root of all kinds of evil. And so we are to be a people that are free from the love of money. And so what happens is your heart grows cold because of the riches and the wealth that you have. And you become so attached to the things of this world that you no, you don't want to look to God and you don't want to look to Christ. And so that's the warning for us here is to not be so connected to the things of this earth that we actually miss out on what is true wealth. You know, Luke yeah. chapter 6 where it says, uh, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world but to yeah. forfeit his soul? And so you can be so focused on these earthly things that will pass away and then forget that which never passes away, which is the word of God. And so it's easier for a camel to go through that than for a wealthy one to go into the kingdom of heaven. The people respond, and this is the context, well, then who can be saved? Because, yeah. And then Jesus says, and marvelously he says, what's impossible with man is possible with God. And so we need to turn to the Lord in humility and say, Lord, please won't you save me? Please would you work in my heart so that I will love you more than what I love all of these things around me? Yeah, yeah. So can we just tear it up here? There's nothing wrong with money. No, I, mean, I, I mean, we need money. We live in a system and in a world yeah. that we need physical, physical money to buy bread. The problem is the love of money. The love of money. Yes. Yeah, and and it, that, that root word, actually, for the love of money in both passages that it speaks of it in, this, in the New Testament, speaks of it in the familial way. It talks of it uh, like it's family. If yeah. you're treating your money like your money is your family, like it's your blood relative, yeah. then you've got this problem. All right. All right. Uh, thank you, Lisa B. Thank you for that uh, question. Time has caught up with us literally. And I know we've only touched on two questions. Apologies for that. The first one, uh, I, I really uh, felt this morning we need to delve into that because we live in a world that's absolutely saturated in sexual immorality. Just look at uh, uh, how we dress, how, what we do, how we live in the world around us, what we watch. And, um, uh, you know, it's literally with a push of a button. So many people in church struggling with pornography, uh, struggling with sexual immorality. And uh, so we had to work through that one and work through it properly. Rocky, in closing, if somebody wants to be in touch with you, send you a question or two, or just uh, be in touch with you, how can they get hold of you, please? Pastor at BenoniBibleChurch.co.za Pastor at Benoni 
Bible Church. If you want to uh, be in touch with Pastor Rocky Stevenson, that's where he is, a pastor at BenoniBibleChurch.co.za. We've uh, literally got uh, 30 seconds. Rocky, your uh, final words on this morning's program. If you just want to sum it up for us before we play out with, yes, cry not, Jesus, more. We need more of Christ in yeah. our life. Just your final thoughts, please. Your final thoughts is that there's so much hope in Christ. You know, if your life is messy as a result of sinful choices, sinful um, mindsets, if you've gone your own way, you can turn to the Lord Jesus Christ and he can give you the very grace that you need to be able to deal with some of the consequences in a joyful way. And so if you've been a a bit of a prodigal son out there in the pigsty, then return to the Lord who loves you. Return to him and may he be pleased to to work in you even this morning. Maybe you're the older son who's, who's at home and upset about the younger son getting the forgiveness. We have a very loving Heavenly Father that you can turn to. And I'd encourage you, go and get involved in a good local church. Go and sit down with some biblically sound elders and help them. let them help you um, as far as turning your life toward the Lord Jesus. Right, uh, time to love and leave you. Thank you so much for uh, joining us this morning. I hope you enjoyed the, the program. Never again can you say, I did not hear, I did not know. And ultimately, now it's up to you to go and search the Scriptures. Acts seventeen eleven. good to listen to Rocky and Vainant and Radio Pulpit and Scriptural. But uh, Acts seventeen eleven says to go and search the Scriptures to make sure of these things that you've heard this morning. Till next time, keep well, God bless, shalom, and don't forget, we'll podcast this program. You can download it from our podcast section. It should be on within the next 15 minutes or so. And next week, Tuesday, God willing, we'll be back again with some more challenging questions. Playing out with Kies Craner, a song called Jesus More. Till next time, shalom.